Welcome to our family podcast, where we are creating unity through stories. My name is Stacey Anderson, and we have a very special guest for this episode, and my co-host, Mitzi Peterson, will tell us who that is. So today we get to talk about my mom. It was really fun to get to know about her teenage years, so we're just going to tell you a little bit about her. Um, My mom, Mitzi, was born in Santiago, Chile. She moved to the United States when she was 12 years old. She graduated from Provo High School. She was on the drill team for her senior year, and she worked really hard to get there. She has six children, and she currently has 15 grandchildren. When she was raising her family, she she used to make elaborate birthday cakes for each of her kids. She handmade all of their Halloween costumes, and she taught them how to work hard. Many times, she would um, take us to work with her, and we would help her vacuum the school. And I remember picking raspberries with her after school in the fall. Um, so that we could make a little extra money and sell the raspberries to our friends and neighbors. Um, She never missed any of of the sports that her kids played. She attended every cross-country meet, basketball, baseball, and softball game. One thing that I will always remember about mom is that she made dinner every single day for us, and dinner was always at 5 p.m. We were always expected to be there no matter what we were doing, and I specifically remember begging her for me to be able to have cereal for dinner. Needless to say, she just continued to make delicious meals for us. And I remember going to college and I think that's all I ate because I was just so excited to eat dinner uh, cereal <laughs> all the time. But anyway, for the past 17 years, she has worked for Alpine School District and at Canyon View, she was an advocate, but now she currently works at Orem Junior High as an attendance secretary. She has many talents and continues the tradition of making custom knitted stockings for Christmas. She crochets dresses for her granddaughters, blankets, baby booties, dish towels, and rip cloths. Her mother taught her to sew when she was young, and she always told her, if we are busy, the devil will not get inside our heads. And she believes that. So in this episode today, we're going to focus on her younger years when she moved from Chile to the United States and her teenage years. I am so excited for this episode because we get to interview our mom, Grandma Mitzi. Woohoo! I'm so excited, Mom. Thank you for coming on to the show to share your story. Of course, it's exciting. So, Mom, I want you to tell us your full name because... There was actually something that Mitzi and I um, learned. So tell us your full name and what you told us off the off the air. Okay, so I'm going to tell you my name the way it was before I got married. So it, it is Mitzi Lidia de la Luz Vera Cancino. When I got married, it was just Mitzi Lidia Pay. Okay. Because when I became a U.S. citizen, I dropped the De La Luz. So that's why now it's just Mitzi Lydia Pay. So tell us a little bit. What does De La Luz mean? De La Luz means of the light. So actually, De La Luz, both uh, Lorena, my little sister, and I have that <clears throat> third name. So her, she has two Two names, and then she said she has De La Luz. So we both have that. So why did your parents name you De La Luz? Because we're of the light. Can't you see me? (laughs) It is very fitting, Mom. I actually really love that. (laughs) 
Okay, also, I have another question about, okay, Vera and Cancino. Tell us a little bit about that. Why do you have two last names um, before you were married? Okay, well, over there, and mostly in South America, they Vera is the, the dad's last name, and then Cancino means that that's your mom's last name, maiden name. So, <clears throat> so that means that I belong to my dad, Vera, and I also belong to my mother, that she was a Cancino. So in a way, it kind of gives me, in a way when, and I have been doing genealogy, when there's two last names, they have to coincide. So then we can see, oh, this daughter or this son was the son of this guy and this woman. That's a great idea. I like that. Oh, that probably actually makes family history a little bit easier to do, really. I, I kind of like it since I've been doing it. Yeah. So That's awesome. So, Mom, how did you get your name Mitzi? Okay, so I will, from my dad, first of all. And this is the story that my dad told me. So the story goes that he was on a bus, on one, one of the buses, he was in there, and it was kind of rainy, so it was a little bit foggy, and there was another girl on another bus, okay? And he saw her from the window, and he wrote his name on the foggy window. And then she wrote her name, and it was Mitzi. That sounds really great, but then when I think about it, hey, I have a cousin that... Her name is Mitzi, and it's spelled the same way, and she's older than I am. So I don't understand that story. Well, <laughs> and that mom, is the story that, that, grand, that my dad told me. Do you know what's funny that I remember is when we were in Chile, there was one dinner that we went to, and was there not at least three or four Mitzis in one room? I can't remember. Well, uh, well there was me, and then my cousin that it's older, and then I think there was her daughter. Her daughter was named Mitzi. And then we figured out that, you know, Mitzi over here, my daughter's name is Mitzi. And there's four of them in one family. Yeah. And uh. then when I think about it, I have a girlfriend from Chile, my best friend. She named her daughter after me. And so I know five. There's five of us. Wow. So Mitzi are very popular in Chile? No, no, it was not. <laughs> so that's why it was so weird. Hmm. I still think it was really funny that three Mitzis yeah. were in one room when we were having dinner that one day. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, Mom, uh, I want to now just dive into your whole experience as a child in Chile. Can you share with us your very first memory that you have? Sure. Uh, you know, it's funny how your first memories are something dramatic that happens. Well, I remember when my little sister Lorena got burnt hmm. and how she got burnt. Um, it was, there was an earthquake there at that time. I don't even know what year it was. She must have been about two, three. She, she was walking. We didn't have any lights. So my mom had us in like in the living room, Sylvia was with us and we were playing games and we were singing. And then my mom said, Sylvia, I'm going to go and check on the, um, 
uh, what is it called? Oatmeal. She was baking some oatmeal from a little stove. So she left, and then all of a sudden, we we didn't see Lorena go. But Lorena went and touched my mom's uh, skirt for, uh, at the kitchen. My mom got so scared, she spilled it. And then the all the oatmeal ran down her face, on top of her head, down to her face. And, of course, we heard the screams. And my mom was so scared, she picked up the apron that Lorena was wearing, and she wiped her face. So that was very, very hot. So it kind of took all that skin. And, and then she put some oil on, something that you shouldn't do. And she learned that later. But anyway, but then we needed to go to the hospital. So we started going to the hospital. We needed to go and take a bus because we didn't have a car. We didn't have a car at that time. Well, we never did over there. But we took a bus, and the bus driver asked everybody, hey, I need to take this lady to the hospital, so can I just go and take her? So they went around. You know, they didn't go their route. They just went to the hospital. And when we got to the hospital, I could see pictures of of kids and adults pictures of burned faces and burned bodies and I was so scared because I thought Lorena was going to be that way well they did tell her tell my mom that Lorena was going to be scarred and when they got home and then my dad got home they gave her a blessing and about two or three weeks after they went back to the doctor and the doctor was what did you do to this to your daughter and they said well what do you mean and she goes she's not gonna have any scars anywhere what did you do so we know that that was you know our beliefs is that um the blessing helped she does have a little tiny little scar right here by the chin but it's mm, not noticeable is is that a word yeah yeah um but and then on top of her head but i think that that's my first memory that i have as a as a little child maybe i was five well so mom let's back up because i mean yeah what a horrific memory um i'm sure that was terrifying but so do you remember the earthquake at all i don't remember the earthquake wow not that one i don't remember the earthquake but i do remember the what happened after because we didn't it was a sunday it was funny because it was a sunday and my dad was in meetings um and so he was not with us but we didn't have any lights so that's all i remember we just had like um candles or what we had and for the light for a little bit where we were sitting and then my mom took a candle to go to the kitchen to see that oatmeal but that's all i remember but i do remember seeing those pictures and i can i can actually see them i get still if i you know when i think about it wow that is so scary i i can't i can't even imagine especially when you know it's right after a natural disaster and you're trying to get medical help like wow that is a miracle absolutely yes, and, a miracle. and the miracle was that the, the also the bus driver 
asked everybody and we were crying and and that was that was the other thing the ladies of the bus and the bus they were telling my mom oh your husband is gonna kill you <laughs> because they knew that you know here we you know that had happened so they were like and my mom was like oh no uh, that's reassuring. that's i know that was not very reassuring but yeah. everything worked out um because the the doctor did tell her that you never put oil in a burn hmm. so wow. that was just cooking it a little bit more <laughs> yeah. that's why they said that it could be scarring but then everything healed just the right way thank you for sharing that story mom yeah so can you tell us a little bit about when you were a little how would you spend your day um we spend our day pretty much playing all day we had a big backyard and i think julio talked about it he we had a big backyard and we had uh, grapes going up and it gave us shade and we could eat we had chickens we had um so we had to hunt the the eggs because that was a real easter egg hunt because um we didn't have a coop so all the chickens were everywhere so we had to go and hunt for the eggs so if we wanted the eggs and we had to look underneath the the flowers underneath everything so then we would have the eggs um to tell the truth over there you know sometimes we would go and buy the bread we would walk to the bakery actually Hernan would go with us um uh, but he didn't like to take us because he he want my mom would let us eat one big marraqueta no oh, i love marraqueta ah uh, marraqueta is the the bread that it's uh, the i don't know how you how would you describe it, Stacey? I It's like the most delicious French bread you've ever had. Like, I don't yes, even really like, like French bread anymore after I had Marqueta. So my mom would tell us if we went to the store and bought it, then we could eat one. And so we would have to share. So then he didn't want to share. So it was a tree in the backyard. Clear in the back. He would go and tie us in, over there. And even though we screamed to my mom to go and get us, she couldn't hear us because it was really far away. So she she couldn't hear us. And he would go and get the bread, eat it all, and then come back and untie us. Wow. Sounds like a brother. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So but, you would spend your days tied to a tree crying. Well, not a whole day. <laughs> maybe it was an hour. Maybe. Well, that's but, like yeah. an eternity to a child. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know, we played um silly cowboys, cowboys and Indians, or the bad guy, and 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 Nan was always the bad guy. And he would, we would play, like we would play house. So we were make dinner, and my mom would make us uh, give us something so we could give the husband uh, something to eat, and then he would come back. as the bad guy and take it off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the day that your parents told you that you were moving to the US? I don't remember a specific date, date, but I do remember this. I remember that Julio, because Julio was living here with her the wife uh, Margaret and the two kids and Julio called and it was at night and we were in bed. So we only had 
remember, not cell phones. So we only had one phone, and it was in the in the in the living room, and it woke everybody up. So everybody got up and they go, "Oh, it's Julio," you know. And I imagine it was maybe around eleven, maybe eleven thirty, somewhere around there. So I remember my mom talking to him, and I remember specifics uh-huh okay yeah that would work you know something like that but then when she hangs up then we're all like oh what did he what did he say and then she she turns to my dad and says he wants us to come over he wants us to go to the united states and live with over there kind of thing so i do remember that that it was in the middle of the night kind of thing I mean, was that just like a no-brainer for them? Or that was was Grandpa like, well, okay, let's go? Or, you know, like, do you remember how that conversation was? Well, you know, then we all went to bed because the kids didn't have to be in that conversation. So they told us to go to bed. I think they had a hard time because I think I talked to to, to my dad later and he said, you know, it was hard because... They were going to leave everything over there. I mean, they had a house. It was my mom had inherited uh, the home that my, her mother had, Grandma Berta. And so they didn't have to pay for for a house. So she inherited, it was paid off. So they didn't have to do that. My dad had a, had a good job at the time. Because at the time, they they had church, what are they called, Uh, schools over there. So Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints had schools from from kindergarten to 12th grade. And those are the, the ones, that's where we went. And my dad had a good job over there. They were paying him good. What was his job? He was a custodian. He was the head custodian. So, um... And, and the people that knew him, you know, um, I think that it, it took a little while for them to decide, yes, this will be a good thing for for all of us to come. I, I don't think it was a very, oh, yeah, we'll just go. And, you know, I think it was kind of hard. Um, my dad was turned 40 when he we got here to Utah. And you don't know any English. So it was, they knew all of that stuff. So. Well, that, I mean, to put it into perspective, that would be, you know, pretty much Mitzi leaving and going and going to a different country and raising her kids elsewhere for the rest of their lives. Yep. That's what it was. That would have been very hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so um, when it was kind of more official that, yes, you were moving, how long did it did you guys have to prepare? Well, I think it took a little while and I'm not sure what the time was. Cause remember I was a little girl and I don't remember that. I do know that I'm thinking that it took at least six to eight months because the thing is, is that all the paperwork had to be sent here and Margaret Julio's wife was translating it because she used to work at the church office building. She was okay to translate and they would accept all of that. So we had to send all of our birth certificates, marriage certificate, 
uh, divorce papers that my mom had, all of that stuff, it had to be translated. And so my mom would send them to, to her. Then they had to, she had to do it and start putting the paperwork. So that took time. And so I don't know how fast that went, um, but I know that, you know, they started doing the paperwork. I'm guessing maybe six to eight months, maybe maybe more, maybe more. So, well, um, Margaret had her yeah. hands full. That's a lot of translating to do. Oh yeah, she and you know what? She also she actually gave us all that paperwork. She gave it to me. I think it was last year. She called Sylvia and I and said, come over to my house. And she gave me all that paperwork. So mm-hmm. I have everything right there. Um, you know. That's cool. She still had it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She had it. She even, you know. Yeah, she had everything there. Did you guys come to the U.S. ultimately because of the failing government? Or what was the final decision about why you came? Well, I think that was part of the biggest decision that they had to make sure they had to make the decision of leaving their families Uh, my dad especially because we have lots of family over there we had our my dad had his mother and brothers and sisters and you know and then everything everybody else that goes with that but the government was going downhill I guess if you want to say it that way um, and I think that's why that was the ultimate goal is just to leave so then we could have a better life because they knew that it was not going to be over there if it kept going the way it was. And then it, it, it was not. So later on, it just it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. The government, I mean. What was the thing that you were most sad to leave behind? My grandma. My grandma, Lydia, that was my mother's, my dad's mom, and the family and my friends. I mean, I was in sixth grade over there, and I did find out that I was going to be leaving, and I took pictures of them. I know some of them. I've had conversations with some of them over... Actually, I went to go see one when I went to Chile in 2005 with my dad. I kind of kept a little bit in touch, but not too much. But I think that was the biggest thing. It was just the family because we were really close. All the all the cousins, we were really close. So yeah, That would be really sad. <laughs> I want to know your experience arriving in the U.S. Like, what were you feeling when that plane touched down? Because for me... When we went together for three weeks, I feel like just, I was so excited to be there, but I feel like the moment the airplane touched the ground, I had like this immense anxiety because it's just so different. Even though I had, we hadn't got off the plane yet. I was just like, uh, this is so different already. (laughs) So tell us about that. Well, um, yeah, it was different. So we arrived in California on March 22nd, 1973. And um, so we came out of that airplane. They start checking our luggage. They start checking the paperwork. You know, uh, they send us to another place where, you know, uh, 
where they're checking visas and 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 all the paperwork. Okay, well, everybody's talking English, so the English that I knew it was table, window, door. Hi, how are you? That's it, more or less. Okay, so I didn't know any English, but people were talking and. It was so fast. They talk. They talked so fast. I was not understanding a word they were saying. So I started feeling like, "Oh my gosh, what are we doing?" So I started crying, and I sat on the floor and I started crying. And after a little bit, my dad comes over and says, "Why are you crying? What? Aren't you excited?" Because I was really excited to come to United States. And I said, well, I miss my family and I just want to go home. But um, we knew that we were there. So my dad said to me, he goes, well, let's go over there and I'll buy you a candy. And I said, and actually it was a chocolate. And I, I, and I said, okay, sounds good. So I could calm down. He wanted to buy me a chocolate. So we go over there and... We asked how much. I don't know how we asked, but we, you know, we asked. And I can't remember what they said, how much it was. But I think my dad, what he did is he um, converted the, the dollars into the pesos that he knew. And he started thinking about it. And he goes, uh, Mitzi, I don't think I'll be able to buy it because we really need the money so we can get started because we had my parents they did not sell the house but they sold everything else that we had in the house tvs couches everything you know so whatever little money we had it was just and that's what we had to start even though we were coming to julio's house they needed money to to start here so there she didn't he didn't give me the candy so that was disappointing but then the people that we were staying there because we stayed there the 22nd and the 23rd they said oh let's just go to Disneyland so we started heading over there I remember seeing that little Mickey Mouse flowery thing that you have on Disneyland I was really excited and then my dad comes in and goes yeah, that's way too expensive. We need the money for, for other things. So we didn't go to Disneyland either. So it was really disappointing. Wow, that is really not a disappointing. good start. That's not a good start, Mom. <laughs> no, it was not. But then we came on the on uh, March 24th for my dad's 40th birthday, like I said before. We came to Utah. So we got here on March 24th. And then we lived with Julio, with Margaret, and the two kids, Tanya and David. Okay. Um, they put us in school right away. So we went to uh, the elementary school. And for me, uh, what impressed me is that they would get up and say something. And they would put their hands on their in their hearts, their right hands. And then they would kind of look at the flag or they would look in that, that direction. So I went home and I asked um, Margaret, 
And she says, well, that is the pledge. And that's what they, you know, because they respect the flag. And I said, well, I want to learn it. So that was one of my first things. Margaret wrote it down on a piece of paper. And for for weeks, I would just read as much as I could, however I could, and say it. And that was one of the first things I learned. It was uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. So... I was really excited, and I'm always proud of saying that one. That's awesome. I love that one. I love those stories. I was wondering also, how old were you when you came to the U.S.? Twelve. I was twelve. I turned 13 here, so we came in March, and I turned 13 in July. And just to clarify, Mom, so, I mean, you pretty much just had to fit what you could in a bag, and you had to leave the rest. Yeah, we had to. We didn't have no beds. No couches, no nothing. Mm. We would we just had our our clothes, or we we did bring a few other little things, but you know it wasn't that. You know, yeah, they were not big things. Yeah. So they were in in suitcases. Yeah. Uh, what gave you hope when everything was uncomfortable and odd and different, especially in those early teenage years? Like, that's quite the transition, because that's already a hard time for anybody. Well, I think our family really stuck together. Um, you know, we lived with Julio for, I'm going to say, for about a month. And then um, the missionaries that knew my dad over there in Chile, they wanted to bring him to, uh, take him to Provo to go see BYU and things like that. So <clears throat> we came one Saturday. They got him a job at BYU as a head custodian at 3 o'clock in the morning. He didn't know how to speak English, but he he took it because it was a, you know, it was a job and it was something that he kind of knew because since he did it over there in Chile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had an apartment and and then uh, people gave us some of the things that we needed to start the um, to start here in, in Provo. Um, and then I think just the family, just uh, us as a family, mom, dad, Lorena, and Hernan, we kind of leaned to each other, mm-hmm. and I think that really helped. Yeah. And then we just went with it. Yeah. Um, So what helped you the most to learn English? Watching TV. Because we we watched TV, and at that time, they didn't have the Spanish channels. They only had English, of Mm -hmm. course. And, like, you know, if I tell you some of these names of the TV shows, you guys will probably, everybody will go, Ah, I don't even know who that was. But it was like uh, Bonanza. Mm-hmm. Bonanza was a cowboy. Uh, like a, It was a Western. Uh, it was a Western. And it was every month, every, every week. And I would watch it. And it was... It was good enough that I would get my ear to be trained to listen. And then, of course, we watched... Um, Sesame Street, and then Electric Company. Mm. Um, I didn't like Mr. Rogers that much, so we didn't watch him, Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. But 
you know. Um, but yeah, Sesame Street really helped because he, they were they were in our level, mm-hmm. so that really helped. Um, and then just listening, I think that really helped. And I put myself in your position as a young teenager who is trying to learn English, but also transition into junior high and. Just how hard that year must have been for you trying to navigate that with, you know, they don't have the help that they have today for kids who are trying to learn English. And so I can just imagine that that was really, really hard. Yeah, that was hard. But at the same time, when I think about it, uh, the teachers were really good. I mean, they would, um, they didn't expect me to, um, do everything that they were doing. Like, I, I do remember with this one teacher, I don't remember his name, but um, I remember him, he he was the history teacher. And he, you know, I could understand some of the things that he was saying, but to take the test or to make do a paper on what he was teaching, I couldn't do it. So he... That's when I first learned how to do a a word search. He made a word search for me, and he showed me how to do it because I didn't know how to do it either. Mm. So then I would have to look for that word. That really helped too. Mm. So, and and that was my uh, my homework kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he gave me that. And I remember that that was just one of the examples. I mean, he had some other ones, but, you know, the teachers made an extra effort to help me try to navigate whatever I was, we were mm-hmm. doing. How long did it take you to learn English? Well, I think I'm still learning, <laughs> but um, to understand it and to be able to um, <clears throat> speak it so people could understand what I was saying and it was making sense. I think it took maybe about a year, um, maybe a little bit more. The reading came later and the writing did too, because you know how writing and reading English is. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. <laughs> so, uh, and I had to, like I said, I had to learn it by myself uh, because like you said before, they don't. They didn't have the resources that they do now. So uh, now they teach you how to write and read, and they teach you what the various how you can read it, and you will be able to read that word because I was just reading, and that's the way my dad learned too. He learned by reading the newspaper. Mm. So, what helped you to keep going to school even though you didn't understand the language? Well, in a way, I knew that I needed to keep going and I knew I had to do it. And I guess I knew it was expected of me that I, I was here for a reason. I was here in the United States for a reason. And if you come to United States or even any other country that doesn't speak the language that I spoke, I would have to learn it. And I i guess in a way I just knew that. It wasn't like I had a choice. So that was okay. Good job, Mom. And I'm proud of you, Mom. <laughs> Mom, how was it making friends? 
when yeah. you came? I didn't like making friends because, first of all, I was shy. Second of all, I didn't know the English language, so it, that brought a lot more shyness because uh, I didn't want to speak because I was scared that I was going to say something wrong. So that really did not um, help at all. And then, like they, we have now, there's there was some bullying, um, and at that time they didn't have. There was not as many people that spoke Spanish, but I do remember this one kid <coughs> that he was. Um, he spoke Spanish, but the only thing he would do to me is say bad things to me in Spanish. So I didn't like him. I didn't want to go to school, but I did it anyway because I was expected to go to school. I had to go to school. Then I would go home. And I never really did tell my parents that that was happening because what were they going to do? So in a way, the only thing I'm going to tell you now, if you're being bullied, please go tell your parents <laughs> because that's something that I struggled with and um, something needs to be done. I, I would never want anybody to suffer in silence. I think that's right. the worst. So to switch gears a little bit, I know that going to church was a huge part of you and your family's life, but I know that there was a time when you were a teenager when your parents uh, kind of started falling inactive and you were starting to go by yourself. Can you kind of tell us a little bit of what that was like and what kept you going? Um, share your experience with us. Well, yeah, you know, um, the church was a big part of us over there in Chile because um, my mom was a Relief Society president, primary president. You know, she was very active in the church. And my dad, well, my dad was the second counselor of the only mission that they had over there. So he he was always in meetings and he was always going from uh, from Santiago to the whole the whole country, um, doing meetings and everything over the weekends. Um, so it was um, it was very important to us over there. We came here. We started going to church in the Spanish ward, and um, that felt comfortable. But then they didn't have any teenagers, or they didn't have any kids. I mean, I was the only teenager that was there, so they couldn't have a teacher teaching me. So what they did is that they put me as a primary as a primary teacher teaching the, the sunbeams. I, I loved it, but here is a 13-year-old teaching the three-year-olds. <laughs> <coughs> okay, so that... Um, my my parents, we went for in the Spanish maybe for about a year. And then they decided that <clears throat> we needed something more. And so we started going to the English speaking because they knew that there was uh, the young men, young women. There was a youth program. The youth program, yes. And um, at some point, I don't know what happened to my parents. They got inactive. I really don't know. I'm not sure why, but they, they were not going to church. And 
at that time, every Sunday, we would go to Sunday school in the mornings at 10 o'clock for two hours. And then we would go back to church at four for sacrament meeting. And my parents were not going, so I would get up and I would go. Lorena would go sometimes with me. And by that time, Hernan was not there anymore. So I guess that happened, it was about three years. And we started going and the, when they went inactive. And I would go to church every Sunday and I would be there all by myself. And I would... I was fine with it, but I told myself, and I remember saying this to myself, that I, it didn't matter what happens, I would always want to go to church, always want to be at the meetings, because I thought that was important to, to me and to for my heavenly father so it was hard um it took a lot from me to go to church and sit i would sit kind of by the door you know that first bench by the doors i would sit there and um that was my seat and no one else would sit by me and that was fine too but that's where i would sit um so I promised myself that I was always going to go to church. And it was really, really hard for me to not go to church for the pandemic, in the pandemic in 2020, because it was, that was my thing. Sundays, you go to church. And here I was at home and not going to church. And, you know, at first we didn't have the sacrament meetings that were um, on videos or whatever. So I didn't have anything. So it was really hard. So I, I think just by promising to myself to always be at church and learn at least one thing, then that gives me hope to go the next, the next week. I grew up in this house you're talking about. And it is yes. funny because I was always super excited when I got to stay home from church, which was almost never because that is what it was expected exactly. of us, you know. But so I put myself in your situation, mom. And, you know, if you stopped going to church, I don't think I would have went. So I, I'm just very impressed that you did keep going when your parents chose not to. I just think that's really cool. Something to look up to. I know that that's, and that's just something small because I'm going to tell you, I'm not a, a, a very knowledgeable of everything, of the scriptures and everything. But for some reason, I just try and get something from what somebody's teaching or somebody's talking. And that really helps me every single time. And, I, and then I apply it to what I have to do to make myself better. It's the small and simple things. Yes. The small, simple, and consistent things. Yes, consistent. Yeah. So, Mom, I remember you telling me that you your dad had a restaurant and you used to work there as a waitress. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, this is at the beginning of, uh, you know, when my dad... 
he he always I remember when we first came to United States, he always had two jobs, the BYU job and then another part-time job. And then sometimes there was another another little part-time job that we would go and help them. So, but anyway, the the part-time job he would go to a Mexican restaurant and do and wash dishes. Well, you you guys remember grandpa a little bit and he was always watching what everybody was doing and then he started learning how to cook the mexican food so then they put him as a cook okay so then he learned all of the how how everything is done for a mexican because we didn't know how to how mexicans ate so <clears throat> he learned how to do that and you know, some years later, let's see, I think I was a junior or a senior. No, I think I was a junior. Um, he put, he got a little restaurant in, in Springville. Okay. And um, we started cooking Mexican food. And then the, in the menu, he also put some, a few, like, like cheese empanadas, because those are kind of fast to make. Um, and I think he put something else, too, that it was Chilean. And um, so we would have, my dad would go every day, because uh, he would have to start cooking. But one of us, Lorena and I, would take turns of who was going to go with my dad and who was going to go with my mom after her job. One of us would always be with my dad, because we were the waitresses. And my dad was the one cooking out, you know, in, in, in the kitchen. Um, and then when my mom came, we would do our homework in a little room. So we would take our homework. So if I was not serving people, I was had to do my homework and, you know, vice versa. So um, it was um, a little difficult. And then also we always closed by... So my dad could be going, being in bed by ten o'clock. So then he could get up at three o'clock to go to go to um, BYU to work. So we we did that for a long time, and there was uh, people that would come, and they were our really good customers. That they tried the empanadas, the cheese empanadas, and my mom used to make them. You know. The, the real thing, not with the little things that they have now, but um, she would make them and my, my dad would fry them and, and then we would get the tips and that's how we got paid. We never really, my dad never gave us money because he needed it to pay the food that he was buying and all those stuff. Um, and of course, I know that he he would do this so we could do some of the things that we wanted to do. And one of them was uh, for me to be in drill team when I was um, a senior in high school. And so he paid, you know, I paid for some, but he paid for that too, um, that we just needed to extra little money. Sweet. That's awesome. I haven't heard that story in a long time, Mom, so it was fun to... Yeah. to rehear it. 
it's cool to uh, listen how you all chipped in and helped a little bit to be able to survive, and you were all there as a family, yeah, doing it together. I think I think that's what got us through a lot. It got me through because I I think we I remember these are good memories that I have. Um, yeah, I hate it going sometimes, but then who? Who likes to be working all the time? You know what I mean? Uh, all teenagers don't like something about what their parents are making them do. But but when when I think about back, I'm thinking, you know what? That was kind of fun. And yeah, I'm glad I did it. So, yeah. Well, and I think you taught us how to do that, too. Because I remember when you would work at the schools and we'd vacuum all of the rooms. And I remember going after school with you every day and we'd each take a vacuum so we could get your work done and I remember picking raspberries with you after school and yeah. um, so I think you brought that work, work ethic and taught us how to do that also. Yeah. Just, you know, if more hands make life work that's what my mom always used to say, more hands just make life work for everybody. Well, Mom, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. This was really special to be able to talk to you, so thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's exciting to do this. All right, Mom, well, as we wrap up today, is there anything else that you would like to share that's on your mind? Well, you know, these days, uh, so many things have happened in this world that I think I've been thinking about this. And I would like everybody to be kind to each other. Be kind to your mom and your dad. Be kind to your brothers and sisters. Be kind to your teachers. Be kind to grandma, most of all. But no, I'm seriously, I think, you know, being kind is what is going to get us through this these times. And I, I love you guys. You guys are really good about it. But just remember, just being kind to other people, it will make your life a little bit easier. I see so many people, so many kids that are in such a bad place, but they're not being kind to each other. So um, I want you guys to just do that for me. Be kind. He's right. Being kind to each other is the best thing that you can do for you and your families. That's all. I love you guys all. I love you guys all. You guys are all my favorites, all my favorite kids, and all my favorite grandkids. You guys are all my favorites. I love you guys all. I love that, Mom. Thank you. And thank you so much for being willing to share your story with growing up in Chile and kind of what it was like to grow up as a teenager as you're navigating trying to learn a different language and making new friends and it was just a lot so I am so grateful that you were willing to share that with with us so thank you um you're welcome it was fun <laughs> thank you for having me yes of course we'll have to have a part two sometime <laughs> yes that would be great okay love you, thank mom. you love you okay bye Remember, we each have a story. Come discover yours.